0: Welcome to Exceptional Education, the education podcast by ANZUK. Hello and welcome to the Exceptional Education Early Childhood Edition podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you all here on our fourth episode. On today's episode, we'll be focusing on one of ANZUK's very own values, growth. Now, growth is a hugely important aspects for not only your career but also for your personal life as well and hopefully we can help give you a better insight into how the best look into growth options for yourself, your career or your business. Today I'll be sitting down with Jess Mundy, our Geelong EC consultant who will chat to us about her growth mindset and how she manages it. Myself and Richard Duncan got a chance to interview Michelle Walsh, who is a bit of an industry chameleon wearing multiple hats throughout her career and she'll be discussing her time in ec and some of the mistakes she's made along the way and how she learned from them. rob myself we're also lucky enough to sit down with a team member in focus katie heinrichs who is our very own osh recruitment consultant here at anz uk let's get on with the episode okay and today we are joined by jess mundy now jess mundy is our geelong early childhood consultant. Hello, Jess. How are you?
1: Yeah, very well. Thank you, Kale, and yourself.
0: Very well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I wanted to have you on today's episode. Today's episode is uh, focused all around growth, uh, which is one of ANZ UK's value, and I know that's something that's very close to your heart. So I thought it'd be a good idea to get you on today and have a bit of a chat about that, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, perfect. I'd love to. Perfect.
0: Excellent. Let's get into it. So, what's the importance, or what has the importance been of growth for you, you know, in your role, in your career, everything like that?
1: Yeah, perfect. Um, so I'd probably say now looking back, it's not so much my role; it's more my life. The importance of growth for my life. Um, it obviously did start off being, you know, to further my career and to grow in my role and get promotions and all those types of things because people in leadership within ANZ UK were always promoting this sort of growth mindset. So it was something from the start that really did intrigue me, but I think the more that you learn about growth and growth mindset, the more you actually realize that it's something you're going to be working on forever it's it's not sort of a goal and it's not something that you're ever going to achieve <clears throat> the full capacity of it's something that you you honestly do have to work towards every single day that includes before work after work on the weekend it does sort of just become part of your life after you really sort of learn what it is
0: yeah amazing how how important do you think that would be to yeah, you know, a candidates listening now, or or services listening now, or whoever's listening now, I guess, uh, for them to take on as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it it's it's a skill that you sort of, as I said, you're always building on it. It's something that you're never gonna lose. So, um, the importance of it in, in any sort of role is phenomenal because, as I mentioned, it is something that you take into everyday life with you. It's not really something that I would say is career focused it doesn't matter what career path you're on or what job you're in or you know potentially even if you're not working it doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing um being able to sort of you know have the courage to be vulnerable or uh, you know um sort of be able to take feedback um really sort of level-headedly even if it's not sort of necessarily on target and constantly always wanting to grow yourself and do those types of things it's something that every single person can use regardless of, of what they're, they're doing with their life.
0: Amazing amazing and I know you have um, a few different well a, a lot of different ways you sort of take all this information in and um, do you have preferred resources that you use or you know a podcast books everything what's the there oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a big walker, actually. Um, so I have a golden retriever who loves to get out and about. Um, so generally, I do tend to, to move towards my audio books or podcasts. Um, there have been a couple of really good podcasts I've listened to lately as well, um, which I can chat about later if you like. Um, yeah. But generally, I find having a hardcover is quite comforting as well. So when we do book clubs and things like that at ANZ UK, um, I generally w- will get a hardcover sent to me and then we'll download the audio book because I do like to go into the hardcover um, and just sort of highlight or annotate any lessons or quotes that really resonate with me as well.
0: Yeah, amazing. So what are you currently reading and or listening to?
1: Yeah, beautiful. So, as I just mentioned, we are doing a book club together. Um, but just so everyone else is aware, it's called Atomic Habits. Um, so, that one's yes. by James Clear. So, I've literally only just picked that one up because it was just sent to me earlier in the week. Um, but the other book that I got a couple of weeks ago now was the Resilience Project book, um, which is called Finding Happiness Through Gratitude, Empathy and Mindfulness. Um, So I've really struggled working from home as well. Obviously, we are in the middle of a pandemic at the moment um, and it can get quite lonely being here by myself all the time. Um, So again, I'm just trying to sort of focus on that growth mindset and sort of how I can manage being at home and things like that. And the things that I actually have in my life that I am incredibly grateful for rather than sort of focusing on, on things that I do find quite hard at the moment.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I think um, that that's a good little tip you've stumbled upon there for anyone who's listening or, you know, a lot of people at ANZ UK are part of the book club or, you know, do a lot of growth reading on their own. So, you know, if you are looking for some um, recommendations or anything like that, it's always a good idea to sort of reach out to your consultant because, you know, we all are sort of doing our own little thing or, um TED Talks is another, you're, you're quite into TED Talks, right, as well?
1: Yeah, big fan of TED Talks. Um, yeah. There's actually a function on a TED Talk as well. And um, once you go onto the website, it does, if you create a profile and link your email, it will ask you what you're actually interested in. Um, so I've got it set up in the way that I actually get emails every time um, a video is sort of posted that links to one of my areas, which I think they're growth um, and like business um, mindfulness, like it, it will ask you which sort of categories you're interested in hearing about um, and you can actually just sort of click those and then when they actually get posted on the site, you'll get an email letting you know that they're on there.
0: Ah, okay, awesome. I didn't know about that feature, yeah, so I'll definitely so get myself onto that one.
1: Yeah, it's like a suggested video feature, so I get probably one or two of those every week.
0: Yeah, perfect. All right, well, there you go. Anyone who's listening to this, reach out to an ANZ and chance you'll get some good um, resources out of them for you know growth mindset or any of those things that we we tend to look at. Um, so obviously you know you you, you listen to a lot, you you read uh, quite a lot. How transferable are, are the things you're reading and taking out from these books to implement in your career, teaching career, early childhood career? You know how transferable are they across the board?
2: Um,
1: I, I would say in incredibly transferable and one of the most recent books that I've read is um the I think it's called thanks for the feedback um and so essentially like what that is about is how you handle the feedback that's given to you um so you can never really um impact the way that somebody else gives you feedback. So you can't control what they're seeing or how they're saying it to you and how it's delivered to you, but what you can control is the way you react to that. Um, so especially in early childhood and things like that as well, um, I think if you have children having a tantrum or you know you see a permanent staff member, if you're in a casual position and you're not too sure what to do, um, or, you know, it's impacting you quite negatively. It's sort of, that's a great book for you guys to read um, because you can sort of grasp ways to calm down or why that might be affecting you. And it can just really help you sort of actually respond to that in a way that you would want to and not sort of be embarrassed by or upset by at a later time.
0: Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. Now, you mentioned before you were going to come back to a book, I believe, um, that you were going to tell us about.
1: Oh, the podcast that I've been listening the podcast, to. podcast, sorry. Podcast, yeah, yes. Yeah, so I did actually just listen to one. It was suggested in an ANZUK meeting. Um, it's one of the Joe Rogan podcasts. I think it was episode 1080, and that's actually an episode with David Goggins. Um, so you may be familiar with him. Um, absolutely phenomenal man. I think he's the first person in America and potentially still the only person to have completed the SEAL training, that army training and the naval training i think it is or air force training sorry um it's completely unbelievable um i won't give too much away because it is it's probably the best podcast i've ever listened to it does go for about two hours second best, <laughs> second best only yeah. to ANZ uk's early childhood podcast Thank you. <laughs> um but it is it is just incredible and I think the day that I started listening to this um I did start listening to it sort of around lunchtime or in the afternoon and um I ended up staying out until I'd completely finished it because I I just I couldn't stop listening to it um and and on that day I think I ended up doing about 35,000 steps because I honestly just couldn't go home until I'd finished listening to the podcast.
0: Wow okay sounds like a good one so that was Episode 1,080, we're yes. on episode four, so we've only got 1,076 <laughs> to go. To, to, get to reach into, that level. Yeah, to get <laughs> to those levels. But um, the, the opposite side of that, we, we've spoken about, um, you know, anyone sort of calling us and coming for recommendations I guess we're very open as well and I know you hugely would be open to any recommendations anyone's got out there that they've read that has helped them along their journey in growth or any of the areas um, you know to, to share with us as well I'm sure we'd all appreciate a recommendation
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love it if someone got in contact with me. I know some really good ones as well that people tend to recommend are, you know, your classic Brene Brown and and your Tony Robbins and people like that as well. Um, But definitely am very excited to hear any other suggestions that people have.
0: Yeah, amazing. Uh, Brene Brown, uh, great book there, Daring Greatly. Um, I finished that one not too long ago now, Uh, for the second time I think it was yeah amazing book so that's definitely on my top recommendations but Jess thanks so much for chatting with me today um about growth I really appreciate it uh you taking the time out um thank you so much
1: beautiful no anytime thank you for having me
0: no worries thanks Jess bye
1: thanks Kale. bye
0: and thank you so much again for Jess Mundy for joining me today to chat a little bit about growth there It was amazing to hear all the things she's involved in and what you can also get involved in. Um, Today we'll be changing things up a bit with our main guest. We'll have an extra host today. We'll be joined by Richard Duncan, who is the National Permanent Opportunities Team Leader here in early childhood. He'll be joining me to have a chat with Michelle Walsh uh, as they've been friends for quite a while. So let's get to it.
3: I'm Richard Duncan, National Permanent Opportunities Team Leader at ANZ-UK, and on today's podcast we will be speaking with Michelle Walsh, former Regional Manager for GA Education and now Founder and Director of Hourglass Consultancy. Welcome, Michelle. Pleasure to have you on the podcast.
4: Hi, Richard. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here.
3: Great stuff. So we've known about your work for several years, but for those who perhaps um, don't know too much about you, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little about a bit about your journey.
4: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Michelle Walsh. I've been in the early childhood sector for um, my whole career and I'm based in Adelaide but I started um, my career in New South Wales in Newcastle and uh, had grown up in a little hippie community really where I spent a lot of time um, being the being the Pied Piper to the children of of that valley, and um, I was always looking after children. And I once I left school, that's just what I wanted to do. I just wanted to work with children. Um, I then I sort of progressed quite uh, different uh, quickly through my career, I guess, and and have tried a number of different roles. Um, I started as um, a, an educator. Um and then I moved through to I decided to study. So I started my Bachelor of, of Early Education through Macquarie University. And um then I started I sort of started to take on some leadership roles, like the team leader of the room. And then I quickly became the director of a service in Canberra. I'd moved to Canberra and um I was 21 at the time. So in hindsight, I, I sort of look at it and think, gosh. You know, I might have been a bit too young to be the director, but I certainly learned a lot within that within that short period of time before I moved to Adelaide. And when I moved to Adelaide again, I just wanted to be a director. The director role was really important to me, and I think because I would shifted my mind to think about being a leader to more educators, I wanted to have a bigger influence on children by influencing educators. And I then, um what did I then do I came to South Australia um worked for a couple of services and then I went through assessment and my validator at the time said you should come and be a validator and this was at the time when NCAC was taking on permanent um uh, validators and we were doing them full time so five days a week and we would travel interstate three weeks a month and be in our home state one week a month and we did the validation visits and spot checks and that was such an amazing experience because I got to see so many different services, service types, uh, different uh, leadership structures and, uh, you know, just everything from very rural services to um, services in the CBD of Sydney. And it was really, really, um, I guess, beneficial to my awareness of having an open perspective to so many different practices. There is absolutely not just one way to do things in early childhood education and care. And I got to see that. So that was awesome. I then, Amazing. um, yeah, NCAC then sort of came to a close, which was so sad because it was such a beautiful organisation. It had a really wonderful culture. And um, I, but I was having babies at that point. So it was sort of nice to take that opportunity yeah. to settle back into Adelaide and, and be not travelling around the country anymore. And I took a role um, with Gowrie, so Gowrie SA, and um, I was a trainer and consultant there for a couple of years. And it was really good because I worked on uh, designing and writing the diploma of early childhood education, but designing the leadership modules for an advanced diploma in, in early childhood leadership. And that was excellent and then I was delivering that training and I remember at some point thinking, you know, I've been a leader before but I I now had all this theoretical knowledge and I was training people in how to be a great leader. But I remember thinking, am I actually a great leader? And I wanted to step back into a leadership role where I could now challenge myself. I'd been very young and made probably far too many mistakes in my first few roles as a director and wanted to now, I guess, challenge myself to, yeah. to put it into place and, and really determine whether I actually could walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And so I found a job as an area manager for G8 Education, and that was here in SA with eight services. And we had an amazing time. We went through assessment for, I think, eight uh, six of those services, and we got exceeding, and we had a really wonderful team culture, um, I really enjoyed that. And then I was promoted to regional manager within 18 months. And I became, uh, I guess, a business a business operator as well as quality, looking after everything within 90 services. Wow. I think it started with 80 um, across Victoria and South Australia. And then I'm um, <laughs> just thinking what's the next part. So it yeah. was... That was an amazing role and I really, really loved it. Um, And it was such a different experience than I'd had previously. So that really took me to another sort of level of thinking around how do you operate a business and how do you um, work at a macro level rather than a micro level? And also, um, you know, working – all of a sudden I was working with people who weren't early childhood educators. So changing my communication mm-hmm. style to meet people who didn't understand my early childhood jargon was, was really important. Um, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. And we had, we had some amazing things happening there. And then I, I took a shift and um, after five years, so I spent five years with G8 and then I, uh, went and worked with Saman and Slattery for um, six months over in Victoria doing a leadership project. So it was called Leading uh, Quality Through Leadership, Improving Quality Through Leadership, sorry. And um, that was where I was a mentor to eight services. And the idea was that, to, I guess, to, for the Victorian government, they wanted to test the theory that if we improve the leadership for the services who had a working towards rating and didn't focus on any of the other quality areas, just the leadership quality area, would would they get a a meeting rating in the in the following assessment process? And so that was the that was the plan. And the results um, are out and, and have been very positive in that most of those services did in fact improve their rating following that that mentoring process. And that was beautiful. And then I worked I I actually took a bit of a sideways step, and I got quite um, involved in well-being and and health and meditation and yoga and and really looking after myself because I'd been working very hard for a long time, and my body had probably taken a bit of a, a bit of a hit. I was diagnosed with narcolepsy uh, when I was at G eight, which is one of the reasons I sort of decided to just. Have a bit of a slowdown. And so yeah. hence the hourglass. So the hourglass um in my hourglass consultancy is about um is about slowing down and, and living in the moment. So I've since started um in early childhood education again after taking that time to do that. And um, now I'm doing training and consultancy and, and a range of different things. Now here in SA.
0: So just a short, straightforward journey then. <laughs> I know, right?
4: I, that was the short version, just so yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what what a what amazing career and um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people listening are are probably taken aback by how much you've you've managed to fit in and um, probably thinking, Well, I never even thought of that opportunity or that option yeah. or or that path. So it's great to hear someone that, that's gone down so many paths through their journey and able to sort of tell us the, the other side of it. So I'm curious, just to jump back to, you know, becoming a director at, at such a young age, yeah. uh, what, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced? Because uh, I know a lot of people who've been in the, yeah. the the industry for 20 mm-hmm. years and then become a director faced a tonne of problems. So yeah. what, were the, what was it like taking on at such an early age?
4: Yeah, look, I think as some of the challenges were that um, I'd probably only really experienced one leader so far, so I didn't have a great repertoire of this is what I want to do, this is what I won't do. You know, we learn from our leaders, good and bad, yeah. um, the, the bad and the ugly, really, and we take, and sometimes we take on the ugly and we shouldn't, and, and then we have to reflect on that, but I had really only had one one director who I'd I'd learnt from. Um the other the other real challenge i faced which i'm sure a lot of educators will face is that i was young i was 21 and i remember this one educator saying to me something like well you don't get to tell me what to do because um because i'm so much older than you wow. and in hindsight as i look at it i think well maybe i was being very instructional or uh, you know maybe i wasn't giving her i was giving her directions as opposed to you know, learning how to lead and and build people up. So if I had that interaction with her now, I'm sure I wouldn't have the same response because my approach is different. But I remember being really challenged by um, the age because I was very young. Um, I guess the other part was just managing, you know, if there was a serious incident or something that was, was, um, you know, big and would seem big to me now it would seem enormous back then
3: um
4: oh. you know if I was I was very dramatic in my you know, <laughs> oh my gosh this is happening and yeah I remember someone told me at one point to write a journal every day and really write it out like tell tell your story of, of the frustration around this staff member or you know um this thing happened or this parent yelled at me and things like that and write it down and then read it back every month because often when you look back you realize that those things aren't even an issue anymore and so over time i've really learnt to to manage any any challenges that that face me but i don't see them as big as as i would have previously if that makes sense because my perspective is just that look this is going to be over yeah this you know i'm i'm having a Absolutely. difficult conversation or i'm having a difficult moment or there's a parent really upset with something that happened I'm just going to support them and I'm just going to get through this and it will be finished at some point where before it felt like this is, this is the end of the world. So I think, I think that was a challenge, definitely. And probably I just didn't, I didn't face the problems. So. You know, there's that old saying of, you know, put a put a fish under the table and it will rot and start smelling. But you put the fish on the table and you and you're gonna eat dinner and it's and it's gonna be gone. And I think that was I just didn't talk about the elephant in the room when there was a problem with people. I didn't, and so therefore things became really big. Where now I would just speak about it immediately.
3: I understand, and I think that's a really, really good, a great analogy that you've just said there. Yeah. <laughs> leadership has changed probably you know since your first leadership role and an early childhood has has certainly changed Mm. um obviously we speak to a lot of people who you know their dream is to become a director or uh, they potentially believe that their dream is to become a director because potentially when they see their director doing some roles they think they, they maybe make it look easy so yeah um, what is something people really don't think about when taken on um, you know leadership roles whether that be a director or, or an area manager you know what are the things that potentially people don't see about, I, uh, about those jobs
4: yeah i think it's about um being able to to speak to people honestly and openly about things um including families when there's an when, when there's an issue um or educators and that's why you know I always encourage team leaders to really step up and and not go to your director and complain about your staff team in the room, but actually address it in the moment. Hey, I I noticed this or I've been observing this, uh, is this a good time to give you some feedback or, you know, developing a system where you have a feedback process so that people aren't so upset when you give them feedback. But practice that now. If you're a team leader, that's now's the time to practice it. Because when you're a director, if you choose not to address those things because um, it might be fear of of, of uh, whatever happens if you address it, or you might simply be too busy and you think it's going to be a whole day meeting when really it can be a couple of couple of moments with someone. And if you build that culture of dialogue, then it doesn't seem so big. Um, so practice it now because if you become a director, um, that's that's going to be a huge part of your role that isn't really written down as such in any position descriptions. It's something that you need to have that charisma. You need to have that ability to make people feel safe in your presence, to make people feel valued, but also to be able to grow and develop people um, through through challenging challenging them and coaching them and it's definitely a skill that a director needs, but we don't always identify that as one of the the main things they need to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's uh, a great insight there, and I'm curious to know at the moment. Obviously, there are probably a lot of directors going through well something they they no one not many people have gone through before. Um, you know with COVID happening and what would I'm going to throw this question out to you now I know we haven't sort of spoken about before but is there any advice you would sort of give to the directors who are listening now sort of going through and I know you said you know it will be over with but obviously it's it's probably a lot longer of an issue than (laughs) than we've previously had would you have any advice for the for the directors listening now or um to that you would be talking about getting through this?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think we need to keep focused on moving forward. So keep focused on your goals, setting weekly goals for everyone, achievable weekly goals, or um, and and then celebrating them. Or spending as a director, spend as much time as you can in the rooms, going around and seeing them two, three times a day. How are you guys going? Checking in, being kind and recognizing that everybody's got their story at the moment and it's a different story than maybe they had previously. And so, you know, being available to listen, but also not carrying that yourself. You've got to look after your okay. own wellbeing. Um, and as a director, for any director, I encourage you to meditate every morning because you will be more efficient. You will be more present with your team members and the families and you'll be more grounded so that when you do have someone come into your office crying and saying, oh my gosh, my husband just lost their job or something huge, you're able to, you know, ground yourself and provide the support, but not be, um, you know, emotionally impacted for yourself to then be, yeah, have, I guess, yeah. Yeah. to drain yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> No, and and just keeping, you know, keeping the focus on doing doing the great things. Um, and probably the only other thing that I notice in services, I mean, it, it, we've just come out of winter, but there's a lot of children coughing and sneezing and have green runny noses. Support your team to send those children home. Support them to... Um, to you know, get a doctor's clearance and, um, and be the professional in that, in that moment, because I think some of our team are struggling with that. They're looking at at the children and there's runny noses and everyone's coughing everywhere. And I'm thinking that can't be easy to work within that. There's got to be yeah. a, level, a level of fear there for them. So that's probably the other piece that I would take on board and say, look, let's take some action here and, and remind parents that, if those if they're coughing if they've got a green runny nose and or they're just not able to participate in the program they really need to be at home and rest up just like you or i would if we had a cold or a flu yeah
3: absolutely great point i i I think obviously the the covid situation it obviously differs state by state and obviously um victoria is is going through you know a, a real real challenge at the moment but in terms of, I think this feeds in perfectly because you're the in your journey, um, particularly with G8, you were looking at the, a, a, a few states, I believe, and I, I'm really, really yes. interested in this this part because obviously working with G8 education, being a director, and then going on to be an operations manager. Again, it's it's a career path that a lot of people want to take. You'll have directors mm. who, be, you know, but you, you know they're almost, you know, they, they've done the director thing, they've been in a director's gig for five or six years, and then they almost become a trainee operations manager. What yep. would you say was the biggest difference that you um, found having gone from, like, a director to an area manager? Because there's obviously a, a, a big, especially a large organisation like G. I I can imagine there's quite a lot of business side that has to be, you know, filled in other than just the... um the um, the pedagogy side as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest shift was was probably that. So I had worked with directors, um, you know, previously, but and and that's the next level of leadership. You're now lead, leading leaders, um, and you've got to be mindful to to let them do their thing because they're leaders in their own right. So it's very easy as a director to then go to an area manager and step in and take over the director role um, to do it the best way, you know, you can see them not doing the right thing and you think, no, nah, I've got this, I'll just I'll just fix this. But, in fact, you're just creating yourself a bigger problem because now you're going to have to be seven directors or eight directors um, and those people aren't going to feel valued. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges or the biggest shifts is, is leading the leaders. And then the other piece is absolutely about the business management. You know, it's looking at... Um, the data that you've got, it's tracking and recording the this expenditure and then drilling down to find out why would this centre be spending more on, say, food or why is this centre spending more on resources than this centre? Um, a, a, interesting example in Victoria, the budgets were huge compared to South Australia because um, the fees were much higher in Victoria than South Australia. So when I looked at it, I was thinking, yeah, okay, that's why my centres in South Australia didn't have as many resources. Um, they still co- cost the same here in SA as they do in Victoria. But, of course, the budgets as a, you know, if we looked at a percentage of, of the revenue and then set a budget, we, we could give Victoria so much more to, to play around with. Um, so that was the one of the main things I identified, that w- there was an opportunity to sort of share out those resources. Um, it's definitely, you know, learning how to work with spreadsheets. And um, I think I had 18 or 19 systems I had to log into and operate at different times. It's, recogn- it's recognising that, um, you know, you have more of a responsibility than just the centres and the quality, there's reportables and there's people depending on you to come back to them with ideas. You know, if you've got a marketing team writing to you saying, hey, Michelle, um, we want to put this out. Can you just have a look over it and and approve it? Or can I make a meeting time with you to talk through the ideas we've got so that we can roll them out and you don't prioritise them? Then that's a marketing team sitting around with, with nowhere to go because they need your approval. Um, and I, and I think it's about caring about those things, you know, being invested in things like marketing, um, human resources, um, all the different departments, finance, and and actually caring. Because I think and what I've seen over time a lot is the probably the biggest frustration area managers have when they step into that role is that sometimes they feel like oh it's not about quality anymore, it's not about children anymore but the reality is it is there are still people there doing that your time commitment to that is just going to be less um, less than it was before but there's still a director and there's still all the educators and there's still you know people doing training and different things going on so the children are still at the forefront of our minds but we do have a, a bigger job to do, and there's some other things that we have to focus on. So that was probably a huge shift. Was just balancing, you know. Um, they, they had things like I remember the first time my new boss, we got a new boss, and and um, that this person hadn't been in early childhood before, and he wrote, um, you know, can you all have this to me by C O B? And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? What's I had that? no idea what yep. C O B meant, which was close of business. Now. And then we had this funny thing that I was like, oh, cool, I'll get it to him by 6.30 because all the centres shut at 6.30. But, no, he meant close of business of support office. That was 5 o'clock or whatever. You know, so little things like that that you think, oh, yeah. my gosh, in early childhood he, as a centre director, you just don't talk about close of business. Or um, another piece was probably the email communication was a lot different Um uh, than it is as a director, and a lot, a uh, lot more email communication. So really, you know, tapping into your skills there and making sure that you're um, communicating effectively via email.
0: Yeah, amazing. I, uh, I'm pretty. I don't want to say obsessed, but very interested in the, the uh, growth side of of a leader. Um, myself having just become a team leader within ANZ UK, um, I just want to jump back and go, sort of, what's the importance that you've you've definitely probably found and, and seen of making mistakes early on and, yeah. and identifying them, and and then you know taking on feedback and receiving feedback, which is something that's I think is quite important, especially in this industry.
4: Yeah, look, I think it's it's incredibly important. I've done a lot of it throughout my career and and if I look back at the the leaders who probably gave me the more feedback in the moment sometimes i I did struggle with that receiving that feedback and working out how to process it and turn it into something valuable for me. I think that's the important part for all feedback is that um, you have to then you don't have to just take it in in its rawest form. how they produce it to you is built. their perspective so you can then go okay so they're saying this about maybe my communication okay I could change these elements which would fit within that but I'm not willing to give up that or I'm not you know I'm not willing to take that on board I think Brene Brown if if people don't know about Brene Brown you should definitely look her up but she talks about you know taking on feedback as as in if you're not willing to be in the ring rumbling with me, then I'm not willing to accept your feedback. But feedback is so important in a role and sometimes it's your own feedback, sometimes it's your own reflections where you go, wow, I could have done that better. Um, And I I think acknowledging that and some of the most cathartic experiences I've had is actually going back to people who I've probably not been the best leader to and saying, hey, I'm really sorry. I've learned so much since then and I just want to own my part in this and I just want to tell you you're great and you're doing a good job and, you know, that sort of thing because sometimes you can look back or you always can look back as a leader and look back at what you had done previously and you can see it in hindsight but when you're in the moment you can't always. But I think, you know, being being a leader means growing all the time, means exposing yourselves to different Different learning styles, read outside of the early childhood leadership information and look into um, you know well-being leadership, look into um, leadership gurus from different countries and find out more about just leadership in itself, and you can apply that um, within your role. But also you need to build a culture of being of of making mistakes because if if you can't allow your team to make mistakes, then they can't learn with you. So, yeah, I think I think mistakes are huge and yeah, and um, and valuable.
3: hundred percent, hundred percent. Obviously, I don't make any mistakes, Caleb. Back past, <laughs> but I, I I don't know what you're talking about. But um, uh, one thing I'm really obviously you. Uh, You've managed. You've, you've had a great career in early childhood, uh, and, and that's still go, going now. But you decided to, um, you know, start up your own venture. Can you yep. tell? Would you mind sharing us with us um, a little bit about that new venture? You know, the reason behind it, and um, yeah, and how that's going so far.
4: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm a trainer and consultant um, in SA, and um, it's called Hourglass Consultancy, um, and I do i plan like a training calendar here and i've just put out topics so far that i would like to deliver so some leadership educational leadership um team room leadership or team leadership that's a huge one that i'm very passionate about um and um i've also got a growth leadership model uh, and series that um i've been following through since january so i've got some community-based service leaders and um Private service leaders who come and join me every month for a day, and we just have an amazing time. And it's so interesting because um, they've just grown so much, so quickly, and and their language—they've changed the way they speak. they in particular, about their teams. You know, um, when they first started, uh, like many leaders do, um, when when I first start with them, they they're affected shifting blame to their team about almost everything it's like oh my team just don't listen or they just don't get things done or they don't they don't they don't and so it's really shifting that that the growth leadership series is all about reflecting on yourself as a leader changing the way you present um one of the biggest questions I ask them is what is other people's experience of you and now you can't actually answer that because you don't know but you can certainly sit and think about it and wonder and after any moment, you know, after a little meeting uh, with someone, just thinking what was their experience of that. I think we can get really wrapped up in our own experience of something as a leader. But, uh, you know, thinking about the other person. Um, so it's been really interesting because I just have seen this shift in the way they come up with strategies, um, the way that they can always see themselves in any issue now so say they'll just bring up an issue and then they go ah, oh, it's me though isn't it I oh I know I could do this should I try yes. this and then the team work together so that's been a really successful um leadership series and I'm really looking forward to um ro- rolling that out again next year for probably um, I'll probably do it twice with two different cohorts next year just to you know develop them and be I'm um, sort of there. I'm sort of their area manager for, for services who don't have an area manager, someone who's going to ah. be beside them saying, how are you going with your team? what, How did you manage that issue that happened? And those people in the in the um, training, they ring me often or send me an email. Hey, this has just happened. Can can I just get your advice? So I sort of, i based it on that idea. Um, I also do some mock assessments. So as we talked about, I was a validator for a number of years and, Um, I really enjoy going into services with the validation tools and um, or the assessment tools, sorry, and and really determining some areas for growth, some areas for opportunity and some things, you know, that are are clearly a breach of the law or the regs. That's an easy, um, hey, guys, you need to put this emergency evacuation by the external doors or, you know, um, that sort of thing. And I really enjoy that. Um, I've got some I've got some courses on on my website as well, and I'm just enjoying it. And I'm and I'm sort of melding the two hourglass time living with the wellbeing and the parenting side that I've been working on. Um, I've got a parenting program on online um, about how to slow down and and be present with your children, but also balancing it with with the educators. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So spending as as much time as I can. With educators, in particular, leaders, because I know that the leaders are the most important, influential people in the in the building. And if if they're getting it right, everyone's having a great time. If they're getting it wrong, um, we've got a challenge.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I mean, we there will be a, a few Sir Three and and Diplomas listening mm. to this now, <clears throat> a lot who are potentially casual or you know, in a role, what would be their first steps? Uh, say they're listening to this and they identify, yeah, I think it's time for me to step up into a leadership role or yeah. or start looking at my career path. What would be the first steps besides going to your website or along with going to your website, what what yeah. would be the steps you would recommend?
4: First step would be watch Simon Sinek's Why or read his book on on knowing your why. Um and really understand why you do what you do, if because I, I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, I, I want to become an early childhood trainer and assessor," but why? Why is yeah. that? Um, yeah. And then they get into the role and and they don't really like it, or um, you know, because they they I think they assume it's something different than it is. So really determining what what's your purpose or what's your Influence all about, and you know, mine in the last couple of years has shifted to be that I I just believe that at, um, in great leadership we actually have the ability to change people's lives, and so that's my little um, quest is not to just change their work life and their experience of work, but but their whole life, the way they experience everything it gets lighter if they have a wonderful leader. Um, but also with children in the forefront of my thinking, I think. I think um, read and, and research things, um, you know, follow podcasts and um, and really question yourself as to what your favourite leader did um, and what you'd like to be as a leader, why do you want to be a room leader and then sort of start working on that. The other thing that I'd suggest is is seeing if you can organise a mentor, someone who can genuinely and it might be just someone at the service it might be the director where you can say to them look once a month can I just have a sit down with you tell you what I'm working on Um, these are my goals and um, can you just coach me or give me some ideas I think that's a I, I think that's something we do in a lot of other professions but we don't always do that in the early childhood sector I was speaking to someone yesterday and she said "Oh, I'm trying to do my diploma for the third time and I'm just Oh, just struggling to get through it and I said to her you need a mentor you need someone who's going to be your accountability buddy keep you motivated and be honest with you for the things that you need to improve does that answer that question yeah absolutely
3: oh, yeah. that's fantastic <laughs> Answers it really really well and and there was just well the one thing that you, you spoke about earlier on with your growth leadership series now i actually I, I saw this on LinkedIn when you advertised that and i i i was uh, really excited about it because obviously with our job um you know obviously doing recruitment sometimes we are speaking with with owners who potentially um, don't understand early childhood and they're working to yes. director who they believe will just and go in and you know um, get a new centre up from scratch. And obviously a lot of directors, you know, in the diploma, they don't, well, as far as I'm aware, it's it doesn't really speak about these kind of things. So I was really excited because it kind of bridges that gap and you've obviously yeah. got experience about it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that growth leadership series in terms of the, uh, what, what that entails?
4: Yeah, so we cover everything from quality Leadership, um, and each session I sort of break into sections. So we have uh, leadership and reflection and leadership growth and, and learning. Then we talk about quality. Um, then we talk about um, business and operations. So we talk through budgeting. How do you How do you budget? Um some of the learning comes from the other team members who join who join who join the program, um but i you know I bring in ideas around how you can budget and and of course for some community-based service leaders, that's the you know they do the whole thing um, as opposed to some organizations sort of just have some some participation in it. Um, so yeah, so we talk budgets operations, so how to how to operate everything from, leadership management um, ordering um, you know human resources marketing ideas all sorts of things so we really take almost everything that I learned through G8 probably in the different departments that we operated and really roll it into that one person who's leading that service and um, and certainly I do do some work with some operators who um, have not had early childhood experience so some coaching and mentoring for them as well to develop their knowledge around how to speak to their team because they've now got a team and our early childhood sector um is very unique we're we're a bit of a gentle mob and yeah. we we, <laughs> we don't speak we like the closer business thing and you know yeah. we don't speak the way they speak in some other organizations and um it can be quite a, a shock i guess for for an early childhood team if if there's a manager who hasn't worked in early childhood before so yeah I certainly do some work with them as well but the um yeah the the growth leadership series is really encompassing all of the elements of being a director which is so with so many things you know from one day you can you can be applying first aid to working on the budget to rostering yeah. of course we cover rostering of course um <clears throat> You know, balancing the regulations, knowing what the regulations are. Then you've got this work health safety person. You've got to guide them and their practices. Then all of a sudden, you're also the the leader of a of a chef or a cook. And you know, how do you manage that relationship? Yeah. <laughs> and how do you guide them when when they're the knowledgeable one, but actually you still have to make sure you're aware of all the requirements that that need to happen within our kitchen. So look it's a it's a very interesting and complex role. and so that's what I love about it, taking this team through that process of um, just growing and developing their leadership skills and operational skills as well.
0: Yeah, I imagine the the budget one's generally quite a shock because you, yeah. you don't get a look in realistically until you're there a lot of the time. So I imagine that's, that's hugely helpful.
4: Mm. And often, you know, we hear educators say, oh, no, we don't have any budgets. And I'll go, oh, don't you? And I go to the director yeah. and they like, yeah, this is our budget <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. So they're just, they're literally <laughs> yeah. having awareness that, of, of yeah. how it operates or or what the expenses are, you know, recognising all of when you, when you see a p- profit and loss statement for the first time, it blows your mind. Because you see that there's everything from uniforms to photocopying to printing. You know, educators are printing yeah. all the time, but they don't realise it costs a dollar per page if you, you know. Yeah, right. You're printing in colour or whatever the, whatever the cost is, depending on the size of the machine and the contract. And um, so it's an interesting process to to guide a leader who's just started as a director, but also those team leaders. And and that's what I encourage is team leaders really being the director of their room. Um, I encourage directors to give team leaders a budget. So if you've got $300 for the month for service, break it into the four or five rooms and give them that as the budget. They might want to pull together and spend their money, but it just gives them a bit of practice so that when they sit in that director's seat for the first time, they're not thinking, oh, my goodness, I had no idea there was a budget or or what yeah. that means and how do I balance that?
0: Amazing. Well, I, I did just want to quickly touch on, I know you've mentioned Brene Brown and Simon Sinek yeah. and obviously, yep. you know, something that's quite big with ANZ UK is, is working on, on growth mindset um, and a lot of yeah, these right. books are, are amazing yeah. and podcasts. So actually in this episode as well, we sit down with Jess Mundy, one of our colleagues who's very big on that and runs us through the books actually, Brene Brown is one of them. Um, so it's uh, perfect that you actually mention that because that's going to be in this episode as well, which is fantastic Great. news. Awesome. Um, so, what other things have you got in the pipeline currently? What else are you involved in? Where are your focuses at the moment?
4: Yeah, what sure. I think I also work with the RTO Advice Group. I do some writing, and I'm I'm working now as a um, an expert a subject expert matter a subject matter expert. Sorry. <laughs> Um, and uh, that's where we're going to develop some early childhood, um, documents and training qualifications. And I'm going to support those, um, writers to get that, um, going and make sure it's on, on track. And, um, I also work with the precious cargo crew here in South Australia. That's uh, a number of services here and I do leadership training and quality for them. So that's a couple of days a week where I spend time with the team leaders, either doing training um, on the room leadership um, one. so really thinking about a team within a team. How do you build a culture within your room? Um, and also, there, just quality visiting the services and and giving feedback. So that's been a beautiful role to be back in this in the sector, more hands on. I'm, I'm really enjoying yeah, sometimes awesome. I get to you know serve lunch and and be involved with the children, and I really enjoy that. Um, and it's been again great whenever you're in a leadership role. It's just so powerful to go back and spend some time doing doing the um the tasks that you're expecting of your team, and and I've really enjoyed um that that, that time yeah um, cool. and of course, my hour work that I'm doing around parenting, I've got a Mind time rainbow which just talks to people about um, the different le- levels of mental health, so you know, in the red, zone, um, unwell and and every times really fast. and and. Um, i'm working on yeah yeah, a bunch of things like that and podcasts and um and who knows what's next i'm just a bit of a yes girl so i just say yes and and here we go I, i think my next venture would be actually to roll out my growth leadership model now um with people who aren't in the early childhood sector i think the growth that i'm seeing is is absolutely transferable um i guess yes i've got that knowledge of of the education piece but it's really that depth of leadership, of self-reflection, of developing leaders that um, I, yeah, I could absolutely do with with anyone who's not within the sector. Um, Amazing. And I also mentor a uni student at the moment on a monthly basis. Just she's back doing her bachelor, and um, and I just spend some time checking over her work, doing some edits, and just really coaching her and keeping her on track. So that's a bit fun. That's a nice one. That one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Very busy.
4: Uh, so where would,
0: if people wanted to hear more, see more, yeah. where would they go? What would be the best way to track you down?
4: Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, on my Facebook is probably the, the best way or my website. My website is www.michellewalsh.com.au. And um, on my Facebook, I've got Michelle Walsh Hourglass Time Living.
0: Perfect. We will link that back to Outside. our. And Facebook. then I've
4: got Michelle. Yeah, great, awesome. And then Michelle Walsh Hourglass Consultancy, which is the early childhood and uh, and leadership consultancy leadership consultancy um, side of my business.
0: <laughs> Perfect. All right. We will again. We will link that for everyone to go through our Facebook and link back to everything for you as well, so they'll awesome. be able to but get yeah. in touch with you. Okay.
4: Great. Thank you so much. And, you know, good luck to all the aspiring leaders out there. Um, We have an amazing opportunity. And if that's what you want to do, then you can just make a huge difference in, in children's lives and educators' lives. And I hope you enjoy every minute of it.
0: Amazing. That's some great advice there. Well, I've thank you so much for taking time to catch up with Rich and I. We truly no appreciate it. I know you two have known each other for, yeah. for quite a while. Um, um, yeah, we're, we're very grateful for it and can't wait to obviously speak to you again in the future and might have to get you back on for some more leadership. Yeah, I'd
4: love that. Thank you so much, guys. I'll talk to you soon.
3: Pleasure, Michelle. Thanks for coming on.
4: Thank
0: you. Thanks so much. Bye. What an incredible journey! Thank you so much to Michelle for joining me. Uh, it's amazing to be hearing all these different stories that are coming across from me from EC and all the different journeys and all the opportunities that are actually out there. So that that was an amazing chat, and thank you so much for Richard Duncan for joining me. We'll hopefully have him back on again in, in future episodes. Now we'll be moving on to our A team member in focus this week. We are joined by Katie Heinrichs, so Rob and I got to sit down with her and have a chat about a little bit about Osh. Okay, and today we are joined by Katie Heinrichs, who is our Osh recruitment consultant. Hello, Katie. How are you?
2: Good, thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: No worries. Pleasure. We're also here with Rob Evans.
5: Hello, Kyle and Katie. How are you both doing?
0: Yes, very well. So, Katie, let's let's get into it. We want to learn as much about you as we can. So tell us a bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up, family, all that kind of stuff?
2: I grew up in Melbourne, Eastern suburbs. I've got a sister and, a, and an older brother, younger sister, older brother. Um, and grew up with them and and my mum. And what did I tell you? My my brother is a teacher, um, and my sister is a music teacher. So all of us are in the education industry, surprisingly go. enough. Our parents <laughs> weren't, but we are. <laughs> funny,
0: funny how that happens. And yeah. you've recently had a baby.
2: Yes. I have a seven-month-old daughter named Amelia, um, who's a little angel. Very blessed to have her. A great child. I don't know where she got it from either.
0: <laughs> well, you know, into the terrible twos yeah. That's when I've heard it. I mean, I don't personally know, but that's what I've heard.
2: <laughs> um, No, no, definitely not there yet.
5: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so how, so how long have you been working uh, with UK and what's your, I know Cale mentioned earlier, your role is uh, based around Osh. So what does your role entail?
2: Yeah, so I've been with ANZ UK for I think about 18 months now, um, and come from the OSH industry, been in the industry for almost nine nine and a half years now. Sort of started when I was 18, surprisingly. Um, and my job, I guess, here is really just to support like OSH um, organisations and OSH um, programs that are run in councils or school run, um, programs.
5: So what was your role previously to working with us then? So have you actually run programs yourself and worked with the kids prior to working and managing the staffing?
2: Yeah, so I started off as a, an educator myself back when I was 18 years old um, and worked my way into a coordinator position um, working out. I worked at Glendale Primary School, Mountview um, Primary School, um, uh, yeah, Brandon Park, just out in the, in the and Waverley sort of area um, and then I progressed into an area manager role so I've managed schools out in the eastern suburbs um, down where I live in in the southeast so like Parkdown, Mentone, Moodyalic um, and then um, my in my previous job my my last area that I managed was in like the central sort of area so like Hawthorne to Port Melbourne so a lot of exposure to um, all the OSH programs across Melbourne really.
5: Nice. And how did you, I know one of the things that sometimes comes up is that when you're working in OSH, you have to do the split shift type of thing. So how did you manage your day and like, how did you make that work for you? Mm.
2: Well, I loved it. I mean I was studying at the time I was studying my Bachelor of Early Childhood when I first started with um my previous organization and I just love the flexibility. I think, you know, being able to go to work and then come home, get some study done. Um, was able to like, you know, just clean my house, cook my dinner, um, catch up with friends for coffee and then go back to work in the afternoon. Um, you know, even time just to go for walks, go to the gym. I, I really enjoyed that flexibility and I think I did that for almost three three or four years. Just found that it was um, it was easy to sort of manage everything um, in my life whilst working, which is you know a bit trickier when you're working full time. You, you find that you know you can't you don't have as much time to, to, to run those errands.
5: And everything's closed. Yeah, good
2: point.
0: Um, so I guess that's you mentioned it a little bit there. You're quite lucky. Um, you get to work quite closely with the early childhood team and and the teaching division. What advantages has that sort of come with with your time here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know my role um, compared to others really works across the, the whole of the business. So, you know, I work closely with all of the consultants in the schools division, um, you know, utilising their teachers, maybe in the quieter terms, um, if they're interested in working in OSH, um, because we find that our terms are busier, um, they don't correlate. So, for us, you know, we usually see Term 4, Term 1 are the busiest, and the schools, you know, maybe seen like, you know, Term 2, Term 3 are busier. So, it just those teachers can have that that extra work and you know this um and the same with early childhoods Who's studying towards their Cert Three in Early Childhood, um, you know, and maybe isn't just ready to to work in the centre, but still wants to develop and build up their skills, so they're able to to um, work with me during that time, and then once they finish their Cert Three in, in Early Childhood, able to to move over to um, one of the Early Childhood Consultants, but. You know, even in saying that, I, I've had educators that have also come come to me from our, our UK team from, you know, oh. um from the UK. Um, we've been able to have teachers that have come over um wanting that extra holiday club work um and joining us, you know, maybe over January. Um and they've come to me from from Rowan and, and I've been able to supply um work to them and then they've been able to move into, you know, the schools division after that. So I just feel that I really have um that advantage of of the whole business. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and for my and for my educators to have that advantage to be able to know that they're a studying teacher and they're in their final year and they're gonna work with me in Osh and next year they don't have to worry about getting another job because they know that they'll be able to move over to a schools consultant straight away, maybe just have a chat with someone but not have to go through a full interview process again. So that I guess that's the advantage of it.
5: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I think it's a, I certainly think it's a great role. If you are studying to be a teacher or early childhood educator, what a better role than to be in amongst working with kids on a daily basis anyway. I always think a casual education support role or working in OSH is just such a huge thing on your CV and it also gives you the opportunity to build up relationships with schools, maybe even getting placements and also put you in the best position to get a role further forward. So with yeah. your experience in the role and now overseeing roles. What would you say makes a good Osh educator? What key skills do you need to bring to the role?
2: Ooh, tricky question. (laughs) Um, I mean, like, for me, obviously, like, you know i always think that like your attitude is the most important thing in any job that you do um that willingness to to want to learn and and to have that that attitude of of wanting to have that feedback and to grow and develop but i guess when it comes to osh specifically you know it is very different to working as a teacher it is very different to working in a childcare centre um you know we have all ages in one, usually in one room or a hall or a gym um, at a school. And, you know, that's five to 12 year olds that you have to engage um, and supervise. And and they're already tired. It's the end of the day. They've already sat through, you know, their full day of school and, and they just need to burn off that energy. So I think for me, it's really that engagement um, you know, getting, getting your hands dirty, getting in with the kids, um, getting on their level, whether that's, you know, building Lego with them, or if that's, you know, doing, kicking a footy with them outside or, you know, running, running on the oval with them, just being able to think on your feet and being able to engage that child and every child's different. So I think you need to be really adaptable in the way that you approach that you might have a child that really just wants to sit down and, and read a book because that's the way that they want to wind down. Um, so I think that's something that's really important. And obviously, you know, um, the regulations are, are stricter and it is harder to to keep the children, um, keep keep them accounted for because they are, like I said, very tired and yeah. want to burn the energy. So I think supervision is, is the other thing I'm looking for. Someone who, you know, takes that seriously and is able to really make sure that they are able to engage the children and and keep them them supervised in the areas that they need to and follow the regulations.
5: Yeah, I've never worked in outside school hours care work, but I do – well, one question I've got for you is – I imagine in a normal classroom, you don't really get any sibling rivalry because they're normally in different year levels. Is that another thing you have to deal with in Osh? Because you're going to have siblings from different year levels that probably have their arguments. I know me and my siblings, if we'd been in Osh together, probably, probably wouldn't have been the easiest people to manage.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had my experience with a a family in my past role, um, where you know there were three three siblings, um, all very very different. But I think you know um, the children tend to gravitate to the children of their own age, Um, and I guess it depends on the size of the Osh program as to whether or not there is that rivalry. But generally, again, it's just about that engagement and and. All, all the kids are different so you don't really find too much of that um but sometimes especially you know coming towards the end of a session if they're the only three three kids <laughs> left that that can be challenging.
0: <laughs> Funny you mention that Rob because I was in an OSH program with my little sister and I left <laughs> her once I forgot all about her. So yeah there will be teachers and Early childhood educators, listeners who very similar, to Rob are in the industry but probably haven't done, you know, Osh or, or thought about it realistically. So, what would you say to those people who are listening now to considering giving it a go, or um, you know, what what should they consider?
2: I mean, I think that you know, um, when you're in this industry, any sort of relationship that you can build um, will be an advantage to you I mean in my current role there are people that I'm working with now that you know I used to work with at my old organisation that are now working at other organisations and you know if I think about it if I had have burnt that bridge you know would I have had that really great relationship with them now so I just think that you know if you are working in the education industry I think that you should always look at it as what can I get from from this or what can I give to this and I think you know that relationship whether that's an OSH coordinator or you know I you know you go out to a school and and you and you end up meeting the principal that relationship that you've just built could you know advantage you in the future maybe in the future you end up interviewing at that school and you remember that principal and you've got that background and that foundation that's going to help you to be more successful than another candidate so i just think that relationship focus is really important um in the industry everyone sort of knows everyone and and it's important that you continue to build on that if you want to be successful
0: well yeah i was just about to say you uh, because you worked in it for a few years but you do seem to literally know everyone in the (laughs) industry from your your (laughs) time in it so uh, relative time so um there you go absolutely spot on
5: yeah, so we've obviously been away from the office for a while and you've particularly been away for a while because you're on maternity leave. Hmm. So it's been quite an, quite an extended period of time that you haven't been in the office. What are you most looking forward to when we get back into Collingwood?
2: Um, honestly, I think just like going for a coffee or for like, breakfast with my team like I think that's something that everyone sort of misses we we do our walking huddles now and you know we're all on camera and we're getting coffee together but it's just not the same like I miss that face-to-face social aspect of being able to like catch up with people um that I work alongside um that's something that I think I'm I'm really missing and also like the snobby coffee culture out in Collingwood Um, Yes. I go to a local bakery and I'll have to say that their coffee is um, not the same as if we're (laughs) out in Collingwood. I mean, they're okay, but, um, you know, there's so much option out there, whereas where I live, there's not really that much option local to me.
0: Well, let's hope they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> so,
2: you know, they might not want
0: to order from there moving forward. So, obviously, uh, ANZK, we have the the big, great values. Do you personally have a value that you align with the most?
2: Um, I I think for me, um, and I hope other people who are listening who know me would agree. Um, I think for me is it's team. Um, I think that that's something I mean that was sort of driven to me in my in my previous role um, was just like one team all the time and I think that's something that I I really align with and really value um, in my role and obviously you know we've talked about how I do work across a number of teams and for me it's just about um, you know it's the big picture you know it's not about you know just me and my role, but it's about that impact that we can have um, in everything that we do each day. So I think for me, yeah, it's just that that one team focus that we have at ANZ UK um, where, you know, any educator we speak to, we, we don't know if they'll end up with us. They might end up with early childhood. They might end up in the UK team. They might end up somewhere else. And I think that it's just about that value of of focusing on everyone when, when you talk to, to educators and and letting them know what's available to them. Um, because that's helping the people that we work with every day.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Great stuff. Well, Katie, I think that's all our questions for you today. Thank you so much for for joining Rob and I. It was great to catch up and hear a bit more about Osh and, and your life. Uh, so thank you so much.
2: No worries. Thanks for having Been a
0: pleasure. me. Pleasure. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Bye. Thanks, Katie. Bye. okay and that concludes today's episode thank you so much to all my guests for joining me today it was amazing to sit down with all of you and and hear a bit more about your path through ec now one thing i wanted to discuss finally before we finish up uh we've spoken a lot today about growth and growth's one of the values here at anz uk and something we take quite seriously whether that be through a book club or a training session or or these podcasts. So I would love to hear some feedback from all of you listening or things you want to hear about, things you want to learn about, people you want to hear from. So please feel free to email us at au at anzuk dot education i'd love to make this tailored to more of what people want to hear so please feel free to send an email through so we can get it more tailored to your listening needs now again thank you so much to all my guests thank you all for listening i look forward to catching up with you again in a few weeks time have a great week bye